where I've worked with people from different cultures and countries and actually they, they aim to fail to learn from it very quickly and actually not be afraid to take risks because if they come off, you know, wow, how good does that feel? So I've learned to embrace failure now. Like if I make a mistake, it's okay because I will grow from that. Mm. So I think competition creates that, that, that success and that failure, but then learning from it as well. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a former English rugby union player. She was a part of the team that secured victory in the World Cup in 2014. And she was named the Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year in 2010. Not only that, she is also an ambassador for a number of non-profit charities. Welcome to the studio, Maggie Afonzi. Hi, hi. Thank you to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm so, so happy to have you here. Uh, I always start the show by taking it back to the start. And I know that you were born here in London, uh, in Lewisham, raised by your Nigerian mum. So can you tell us, tell the guests a little bit about you and your journey? I would really love to know how you first got into sport and how you first discovered rugby. Yeah, so I guess my journey officially did start back in Lewisham, South London. Um, And uh, I guess my journey started from when I was born. So when I was born, I was born with a physical disability called club foot. Mm-hmm. So it's where one or both your feet are turned in. And my right foot was completely turned in. And uh, when I was young, I had an operation to, to straighten it. And I guess my journey really was affected by that. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood in and out of hospital trying to get my foot foot straightened, really. So it's quite a difficult time when I was young, you know, trying to be active like all the other kids. And I couldn't really be, um, be the same. But... It, I, you know, I got on with it when I was young and then when I was young me and my mum moved to um, North London the other side uh, and I grew up in a love place called Edmonton and um, and uh, you know what was great about living in that area was um, I sort of had to toughen up if I'm honest you know I grew up in a council state quite a challenging um, area where where unfortunately you know some people lacked aspiration and lacked motivation and I think it had a big impact on me so when I was at school I was quite a bad kid you how, know. how old do you secondary school or? I'd say primary school I was a good kid yeah. so um, you know I, I was very polite as a lovely child uh, secondary school that's when it went sort of went downhill um, I used to get into a lot of fights I used to used to spend most of my time wandering the halls and not actually being in the lessons and then I guess what would happen is that I'd always be warned by the teachers that you're going to get kicked out of school, you're going to get you know, expelled. And I never really took that threat to, to heart, really. And uh, then there was one point where I did almost get kicked out. But my life changed on one afternoon where um, my PE teacher, who her name is Lisa Burgess, and she played rugby. And I didn't know a lot about rugby at the time. And she was like, you know, your behaviour is so bad. I actually think you should try this sport out. This sport might help you. And I was like, all right then, miss, I will listen to you. And, 
yeah, I listened to her. I went to my local rugby club, which was Saracens, which is based in Cockfosters. Um, and uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved the sport where I could be physically aggressive, not get told off for it, but at the same time be surrounded by some fantastic people who kind of helped... I guess made me more disciplined and, and allowed me to be a bit more um, respectful. Mm, wow. Okay. There's a couple of things. My husband's actually a secondary school PE teacher, no way, so okay. I think it'd be awesome for him to hear that that story because I think it's amazing the impact that teachers have, and I think often people, you know, I could never do his job. It's incredible. He's, you know, so all teachers, I think, you know, they work so so hard, and they often don't get. The, the thanks for it so that's really amazing to hear that that story um, and also you mentioned then about discipline and and you know having I think sport in general because it's such for, for young people who may be lacking that or as you said might have you know behavioral issues or kind of you know struggling to access education I think sport can be a game changer for them oh massively I mean first one with the PE teacher you know they don't unfortunately reap their rewards until like way way far forward in the future and you know my PE teacher now I still you know say thank you to her because she's done a lot for me and she's actually probably she's been a PE teacher of quite a few top rugby players which it doesn't surprise me because she saw the strength and the good in you rather than looking at my negativity side um, so I owe a lot to her and then at the same time like you just highlighted there sport has such a, a positive impact on so many people's lives you know for me it allowed me to realise that I can be good at something where before I was thinking that I'm not good at anything and I'm not going to be success in my life and actually it's turned my life completely around and, and I'm now I have the privilege to be able to help others which is nice just because a sport I guess found me rather than me find it Mm, yeah, so when you went along then, you said you went to your local rugby club. So back then when you went, were, were there was there a women's team? Was there men's? Was there girls? Was there boys? Was it all everybody in together? Yeah, so the club that I went to was Saracens. So their, their amateur setup is based in in, uh, in Cockfosters. And when I turned up, I was like, OK, right, this is very different to what I'm used to. Because I was into athletics. I love my football. But I was like, rugby? I mean, you know, in my head, they had a stereotype that it was very much a middle class sport only designed for one type of person. So when I turned Turned up, I saw you know uh, they had three women's teams, uh, including the youth side, and then obviously there was lots of men, so different age groups as well. And I just thought, wow, this is awesome! And there's different types of people as well. So this perception that I had going into it was sort of. I guess sort of changed when I turned up and I saw that on the women's team there was different types of women and there was lots of women from you know uh, you know a black and ethnic minority I was like wow this is awesome mm. and I thought this is a sport for me and and I felt really welcomed that was the biggest thing I felt really welcomed and I felt part of a family and after that point you know, so I was 13 14 years old at the time after that I just thought I'm going to stay with the sport and, and it really has become a defining factor for me mm, amazing and so you know you mentioned a little bit about you know not being that well behaved in school but were you naturally competitive as a person growing up do you have siblings I don't have siblings um, but I was always super competitive okay. yeah definitely um, I think you know when you're a single you know parented child in particular you get to a point where you go you always want someone's attention and I think growing up I always wanted to get my mum's attention I always wanted to get people's attention at school so I guess I was competitive because I always wanted to prove to others that I am worth listening to or I am worth watching so then falling into rugby, I was like, right, I want to be competitive with my teammates and show that I am good or I can be better than them. And that competitive nature sort of allowed me to kick on because mm. um, I, I started the sport when I was 13, 14 years old. So I'd been in the sport for about 25 years in total. Wow. And I represented my country for about 11 years. So you kind of like, you've got to have that level of competitiveness to keep yourself going. And I think 
best athletes have reached the very, very top have been incredibly competitive, not just with the people they come up against, but with themselves. You have to be able to go, can I be better than what I was yesterday? Can I be better than what I was last year? And so that competitiveness st- sort of stays in you. And now I've retired, I've sort of not lost it. I've lost, I've lost the sporting competitive side. I'm quite happy just being active. But the competitive side of professionalism, like wanting to be the best that I can be in broadcasting or, you know, in the work that I do in other areas, I, I've still got that. Mm, yeah, and I think it's brilliant you say it like that because often people think competitive, you know, is a bad thing. They'll say, are you competitive? They'll go, oh, no, 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 no. As if, you know, they don't want to admit to it, as if it's a bad thing. But as you said, you know, some of the most high, high achieving people in the entire world would say, yes, I'm incredibly competitive because it gives them that edge, I guess. Yeah, and it's good to know what it feels like to fail as well. Like people kind of go don't fail you know we I guess in, even more so in our culture we're very risk averse so we try our very best to avoid failure well I've worked with people from different cultures and countries and actually they they aim to fail to learn from it very quickly and actually not be afraid to take risks because if they come off you know wow how good does that feel so I've learned to embrace failure now like if I make a mistake it's okay because I will grow from that. So I think competition creates that, that that success and that failure, but then learning from it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what's the response been like from your family and friends? And what was it like, you know, when you first got into rugby? So, uh, you know, you could clearly it was a positive thing and had a positive impact. What has their response been like? And I guess watching your journey, they must be so, so proud of all of your success. Yeah. So my mum in particular, really, she's been the main person in my life. And I think initially she's like, why on earth would a woman or a girl want to take a sport up that is played by men. So she didn't really get that. And coming from Nigeria, she just saw it as like athletics, football, the kind of sports which, um, you know, people would want to play, especially a girl or a woman. And um, she also saw tennis. She saw tennis as being a prominent sport with, you know, Serena and Venus Williams. And she's like, sure. you can get into that sport, make lots of money uh, and, 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 you know, be really well known for your success. So when she heard of rugby, she didn't quite get it. What's great now, she's been with me throughout that journey, which has been absolutely awesome. Like she now knows more about rugby than I do. You know, I'm watching a game. She'll call me up and say, did you see that tackle? Did you see that red card? I'm like, whoa, mum, you know, I'm the one who knows about the game, not you. She's into it. She's like, she's honestly, she could be a pundit. It's brilliant. But um, I'm just so pleased that she, she loves the sport as much as I love it now. And I think what she loves most about it is that what it's done for my life, you know, she saw me at school, how bad I was and how disrespectful I was. And I think seeing me in the sport that has, has pretty much changed the level I, level of how I speak to people, you know, how I help others as well and how I, you know, um, act more professional. She's seen the change in me and I think she's really proud of what it's done for me and she knows the sport can do the same for many others. And mm. so, yeah, she's been along with the journey with me and, and is incredibly proud. And, and I think she's probably pleased that I've stopped playing now because I had lots of injuries, but now my body's my body's fine. She's like, okay, right, you're, you're doing okay and, and keep doing what you're doing. You know, she sees me on TV now being a pundit and uh, I think she's even more proud mm, yeah I guess yeah as a mother I guess watching you in matches she must have been like oh my gosh because rugby and you know any I guess any physical contact sport you don't want to watch your child doing that oh any sport full stop I think one of the biggest worries she had was to see me lose I think she she wasn't worried about me my body getting battered because I was so used to fighting when I was a kid you know I used to fight all the boys I was absolutely fine and I won she all those fights yeah, yeah she knew you could handle yourself she <laughs> like, you got that sorted but she was upset 
when she saw me lose because she's like, I don't know what I can do as a parent to help you get over that. That's that's down to you to be able to move on to your, your next game and, and be able to turn that around. So I think she would always worry that I would lose a game rather than worrying about me getting injured. She just thought, OK, I just want her to be successful. So that was, that was quite a strange way of approaching it. But I totally got it when I spoke to her. I was like, Mum, you don't have to come to the games. I'll just call you after the game to let you know you know, how it's, how it's gone. And mm. she's like, that's fine. Oh, that's nice. And I mentioned, uh, you mentioned then about Serena and Venus Williams and, you know, seeing them on screen and that she kind of, I guess, understood the sport because she had those visual role models. And especially, I think, for black women, you know, so it's, it's interesting that I guess for you now, do you feel like you are that role model? I'm sure you are that role model to so many young people and particularly young black women. Yeah, definitely. Look, when I was growing up, all the only people that I had to look at and go, I want to be like them were Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, and the main person was Denise Lewis. Like, what a legend. Yes. I mean, every now and again I get mistaken for her. So I'm like, yeah, I am her. I can um, see that, you know. I can, well, hair. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she's a little bit taller, a little bit better looking. But anyway, <laughs> I, I look at, like, Denise Lewis was someone I used to really look up to because um, she came from a similar background to myself, I think. You know, she grew up in, I think, Wolverhampton or Birmingham area um, and had to really graft, you know, really work hard to get where she where she is today. And I still think she's amazing when I see her do, um, like, punditry stuff for athletics. But, you know, my role when I was growing up, I, thankfully in the, in the England team and in the, my club team, there was quite a few, um, you know, people of colour in the team. And that actually inspired me. I thought, this is brilliant. Like, if they're doing it, I can do it. And then when I made the England team, that you know, you, you start to see a little bit less um, people of colour in that team. So I just thought, you know, I really want to make sure that I can be a role model to inspire many others. Because when I retired, there, there was many, only me and one other. And, I, and, and even now... I look at the team and I think I still wish there was there was more people from, you know, black and ethnic minorities coming through the sport. And you see it in the men's game. In the women's game, we're probably still a little bit behind. So a, a big reason why I do what I do in terms of media is because I want to make sure that there's still, there's role models out there for people of different backgrounds or, um, you know, whatever race that young people can look at and go, I can get into that sport or that industry mm. um, because she's done it and I can do it as well. Yeah, it's incredibly important. I saw some some statistics about this and they were talking about the fact that when young boys, you know, young boys and girls at primary school age, apparently if you ask them all, you know, to name sports stars or sports heroes, they all can, they can all, you know, uh, name them. But apparently by secondary school, the boys can name, you know, five, six, maybe different football players, maybe different tennis players, maybe different athletes and, you know, they'll, they'll rattle off a list. But the girls don't have any or they'll say maybe one or two like you said they might have you know Jessica Ennis Hill or now like Dean Asher Smith they might know one or two but they don't have that kind of it's like that if you you know that selection to kind of look at like I guess like they would if they all saw you know even like the men's football and the men's rugby obviously the way it's shown Mm. on media in comparison to the amount of time that we see the women's teams on TV it just doesn't give girls the same inspiration doesn't give them the same access it doesn't it's not it's not in the, on the radar, you know. I totally agree, and uh, we we unfortunately all naturally have a bias that goes towards men. We all say he usually when it comes to um, like athletes or anyone of a profession, you know. And actually, what we need now is more and more diverse role models in different industries. And like you said, it's trying to give the the young girls more people to see who are 
up there who do really well and go right yeah Dean Ashersmith uh, Jessica Ennis Hill you know um, I've got many good friends who've done incredibly well in cricket and you know, Ebony Rainford Brand you know so I can go on and on and on and, but you're right there was a point where I probably couldn't name them myself where now I think because I'm in that world I'm like there's so many of us out there but you need to make sure that we're out there and we're visible because when you see us and when you hear us all of a sudden you can't ignore us you know so that's that's starting to become quite a common thing now and I'm so proud and so pleased that there's so many women who are doing some great stuff not just in sport but in every industry you know that we are we're starting to be at the forefront now mm, definitely I think definitely in the last couple of years you know I think women are you know not only being put at the forefront but using their voices and the world is listening they're ready for it so it's, it's really cool and you mentioned that you used to compete in athletics you used to compete as an individual in the shop put yeah yeah so I mean I want to hear all about that firstly and then I want to I guess talk to you about you know sports has a lot of ups and downs and I guess it being an individual versus being part of a team so yeah tell us about the shot put have you ever thrown a shot put I have badly it's badly. So, it is hard I'm not so gonna lie hard. to you so I uh, when I first started really getting into athletics I threw the shot put and I did discus as well so I was really much a, a thrower because I had the size and the stature I was really really strong and very powerful then I went into rugby loved my rugby loved being in that team sport environment and then when I retired from rugby I decided to come back into athletics to try the shot put and try and get myself to the Rio Olympics in mm. 2016. Just a, um, just a small just goal. Ha- just have a go. You know, I just said, just, I'm going to get there. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, the reality is, was, is that it, it was hard. But I, I'm not going to lie to you. I still, I pushed really hard. I, I recruited the right team around me. Um, I did the relevant training to get me, myself there. Um, the challenge was is that I'm just not the size as, and shape as, as many of the other top um, shot putters. Out there. You're very they're, petite. I know you're saying you're very you. strong and powerful, but you're <laughs> yeah. tiny. Like, you're I, very small. I'm quite small. I'm five foot free, you know, uh, and weight-wise, I'm 73 kg, where I was going to come up against some women who were a little bit taller, a little bit slightly uh, bigger in terms of uh, stature, but then also the power. So I had the power, but when you've got those extra two elements it just makes your throws a lot further um so i was doing all right but if i wanted to progress really at the top level i needed to just be at that a little bit more um taller in height in particular but i gave it a go and i'm really pleased i did but the thing that i found the hardest wasn't necessarily the spore and my size and my shape but it was actually being an individual and you said it really like you go from a team sport where i've got what, about another 20 other women around me who are like my sisters you know um sisters and slight mothers as well because some of them do tell me off but to be surrounded by that many different types of people different personalities uh, every day was a different day where when i was an individual in a sport where i had to recruit my team so you know a physio a coach a psychologist i had to have that but it was always on my own and I always felt a bit lonely if I'm honest and so I admire those who do team sports um, sorry individual sports but it's hard to go from a team sport to an individual sport where when you watch a lot of athletes who are doing the crossovers most of them go from individual sports to another individual sport rather than team to individual Um James Haskell in rugby has just recently gone from rugby to um, MMA. So I've been intrigued to see how he does that. Um, but it's really hard to go from team to individual because you mm. just feel like you're on your own where when, you, when you're part of a team, I love being part of a team. I love that feeling of different types of people in the team that you can talk to. And, and, and when you're feeling a bit low, someone's there to pick you up, which is quite key. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I hear, often hear a lot of athletes talk about the physical training, but also, you know, training the mind and developing a really focused mindset. So did you have any mindset practices and how did you prepare mentally before a really important match? Yeah, so I guess one of the things that I re- was really keen on was making sure that I was, I was mentally fit 
as well as physically fit because you know a lot of athletes have so much time to themselves you know when you're training sometimes your training a lot of it can be individual um, in terms of you in the gym and or you on the, the rugby pitch working on your skills so you have to mentally always believe in yourself. Um, you've also got to have the rest as well. So what I used to do is I used to try and make sure I made time for myself. So, for example, I'd go and socialise with friends who weren't involved in rugby. Because with rugby and any sport, you turn up to see your, your rugby friends and you just talk about rugby. And I mean, I love the sport, but after a while it can be a bit boring talking about the same old stuff. But when you socialise with your friends who aren't involved in that, it's nice to have conversations about the real world. So I used to try and make sure I made time for that. Um, I'd also make time to just you know, socialise with, not socialise, sorry, it'd be more around, because I've got two dogs as well. So go out and do my dog walks and have you know, a bit of time out. Um, and go to theatre or whatever it may be. Just just do something different to rugby. I would also um, set affirmations. So it's the you know self talk almost. And I'd have a phrase where I'd say to myself, you know, I'm fit, I'm fast, I'm athletically strong. And I'd tell myself that all the time because throughout my career there'd be moments where I'd have some real dips in my in my self belief. And actually saying a phrase like an affirmation over and over again, uh, you just say it to yourself, you don't say it in public, but it, it kinda reinforces your your belief in yourself and I try and do that quite a lot, you know, because you just sometimes need to feel like you you're good. Mm. And if you tell yourself that you're good, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali used to say it quite a lot, you know, fake it till you make it. And I'd almost have that attitude where if I keep telling myself I'm good, I'm always going to live up to that. Mm. So I would I would use that. And I'm a big fan of affirmations. Yeah. Honestly, I really am. I, you know, as someone who loves to talk, I believe in the power of words and hearing words. As you said, I don't know if you said it out loud, but I say positive affirmations out loud and also my son, my husband, because I do think, yeah, hearing it out loud, it's almost like someone else saying it to you. It's far more powerful than just thinking it in your head it's like this tiny little voice that no one can hear I'm like say it out loud say it again say it again say it louder just keep saying it and as you said I think the fake it till you make it thing people might not always believe it when they first start to say like you know I'm fast or, or I'm strong or I'm capable or whatever the power the word is but I do believe that over time it's like say it till you believe it you know just keep saying it do you have an affirmation now then do you do you use anything you you use now to kind of like yeah i mean i I changed them up but my my son at the moment his is i am i am strong i am able i am brave and he has it written down as well just in case we forget it no i was so one thing i was always told is to think in ink so someone said to me always write it down because if you write it down then you've you've put this statement of intention it's like when you say it out loud um so when you write it down i think it's it is quite key because i would down silly forget it at times yeah you do. so I'm like write it down I know, and, and when I play so you might see it with a lot of sports people they, they might have a bit of strapping so a bit of tape around their arm and they might write things on their arm like to kind of keep them motivated and I would write my affirmation on my arm um, when I'm playing and it sounds silly it might wipe off yeah but at the same time I just would see it before I'd start the game and I'm like yes you are fit you are fast you're you know it just kind of makes me feel strong so mm. But it's having affirmations, like you said, changing up every now and again. So yeah. I'm trying to create my new affirmation for my for my new career, what I'm okay. doing now, because it's it's about being confident in your voice, about being confident in who you are, and yeah. and actually being 
confident that you know your stuff so mm-hmm. th- changing that up you well, know well I've got two for you because one I used all year this year I started um, when I first started this podcast actually I shared a whole episode it's about five minutes just me talking and it's called you can do hard things and I shared this whole message of like yeah I won't tell you the whole message but it's called you can do hard things and a few people took it on board and said you know I've been using that this year right as you said right on the hand for a marathon and it's all about the fact that you know regardless instead of saying that something's not hard or, or pretending that you know waiting to feel motivated or whatever it's accepting that this is a really hard thing but you can do hard things so there's that and then the one I've started recently is you can do this because you've done it before and I actually ran a half marathon yesterday it was oh the Royal God, Parks con- congratulations Thanks. it was Royal Parks half marathon <laughs> loads of London people out running it was amazing really cool um, but that was my one yesterday was because I was pretty tired I'd had a bad night's sleep so my thing was you can do this you have done this before that's so awesome like do you know what it's amazing when you tell yourself something like that you're like I'll oh, go and do it you know like, like one of the things that I try and live to now is um, I very much try and live out of my comfort zone so I sort of always try and live in stretch and it is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable so I sort of use that statement all a lot now because when you do something where you think I'm, I really don't want to do this or actually I'm worried about how I'm gonna how I'm gonna do you sort of stop yourself from doing it don't you mm-hmm. and actually not until you do it you, you kind of go I'm so glad I did that I, and now you go I'll do that again and then after that you push yourself even more so mm-hmm. so it's about living in stretch living about, stretch I like know, that like, do, do you have any examples anything that you've been kind of yeah, I had to do and thought, oh no, can I do this? Yeah, yeah. Just, I, just doing the work that I do now. So um, I'm currently working for ITV as a as a pundit, you know, on the Men's Rugby World Cup. And my first opportunity to work as a pundit was in 2015 for the Men's World Cup back then, and it was in England. And and I was like, they got asked the asked to do the opportunity, and I was like, wow. First, I've not played men's rugby before, and I'm I'm a bit shy. I've, I've never talked on TV before. And then I stopped, and I was like. I asked myself that question, you know, step out of your comfort zone. What are you going to do to stretch yourself even more so? And I thought, yeah, I can do this. Like, I, I, I've been playing a sport for a long time. I've won, won a World Cup and I'm not commentating on um, agenda. I'm commentating on a sport that I'm a real good expert at. So then I took that step and then the first game I was nervous and then the second game I was nervous. But then after that, I was like, it started to click and I felt comfortable. So... As a result of that, I've got this massive comfort zone and I feel like I'm always trying to live in stretch, not just once off, but every day or every week or every month, you know, continually find that place where I can live in stretch and and feel comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I love that. I think we all need to embrace that and try and do it a little bit more often. But it's difficult. I think, you know, it's, we can talk about these things, but when it, I guess it's all in action, isn't it? When those things come up, it's saying yes and stepping into it and just, yeah, and, pushing yourself. But you're right as well. You've also got to realise that there's times when you're going to want to be in your comfort zone. We all do. But it's finding that little thing that stretches you. It might not be a massive stretch, but actually find that little thing that you go, I'm glad I did that. I'm really pleased I did that because now I feel really good about myself or I feel good that I've helped somebody else. Yeah. And you're incredibly passionate about, you know, encouraging others, encouraging young people to get into sports. Uh, So for anyone listening to this podcast who might be interested thinking, you know, I've never even considered rugby as a sport that I could try. You know, they might not want to go pro, but they might just want to do it for fun, for a hobby. Could you tell us where and why and how, like how can people get involved? Yeah, so first, uh, it, you know, it's a great sport. It's a it's one of those sports where I do believe it's for everyone. You know, there's a size and shape 
that anyone can fit into in that sport you know really okay that's good to hear because I think people might I mean I might have even thought myself like oh rugby's for this kind of per- you know yeah, athletic yeah. build or this kind of but it's not you can any kind of athletic you build you can play it do you want to I, I tell you if you want to have a go I'll, really? I'll sort you out I'll find you a club I'll tell you that like <laughs> I mean maybe I don't know I feel like I'm, I'm I don't know I don't know that's your next podcast get that one okay that. <laughs> we'll see watch this space <laughs> do you know what it's, it's again it's a sport that Regardless of your size and shape, there is a, there is a position for you, and that's what I loved about it. You know, I came into it. I was quite a big, strong girl. I had big quads, and I was like, oh god. You know, I, I lacked confidence because I worried about what people thought about my you know about my stature because girls weren't supposed to be strong. You know, and but when I moved into sport, people were like, wow, you've got strong quads. Oh my god, you'd make a brilliant centre or a brilliant winger. And I was like, oh my god, people actually generally think that I can I can be useful to them, and that felt really good so I would say for anyone who's, who doesn't know a sport really well or looks at it and thinks I don't think I'll fit into that sport I would say go go find your local rugby club and um, the best way to find rugby clubs are generally if you go on the um, England rugby website and I can't tell you what the actual web address is but go on the England rugby website and there should be a club locator on that where you can find your nearest um, club you just put in your postcode and it should just come up but I'd say to people, just try it out, give it a go. People do worry about the contact, but there's various different versions of rugby. So we've got touch rugby, we've got sevens rugby, which is a bit more um, fast paced. Then you've got fifteens rugby where, you know, it's again, it's suited to all different types of people. So I would say just try it out, give it a go. Maybe that's the getting out your comfort zone. Cool. Um, And also, you know, we've talked a little bit about representation, about seeing those role models. And, you know, you're doing a brilliant job by being a role model yourself. But when it comes to women's rugby, if we want to see more women's rugby, where do you think we can go to get inspired? Um, the first thing I would say in terms of watching more rugby mm. um, so it is shown on TV so main, it's mainly really um, pay, to, pay to view that's where it generally is shown um, but you will see it on, on, on the internet as well so England Rugby website do show premiership rugby matches mm-hmm. um, and is it easy to get tickets if people want oh, to go Oh, yeah, live? definitely, yeah. So, I mean, my club is, is Saracens and um, the they play their rugby now at uh, Allianz Park, which is in North London in Barnet. And you can you can get tickets there. So, you literally just turn up on the door um, and pay for tickets. So, go and support them because they're, they're, they're my old club and they won the premiership last year and I think they potentially have the chance to do it again. But, you know, even if, it, if you're not close to, to them, most local rugby clubs nowadays have uh, women's side. So I'd say just go along and just watch them. Mm. You, it, again, it's like most things. When you see it, then you kind of go, oh, I'm really interested in it. Yeah. Where if you don't see it, it's like women's football. Now we see it everywhere. And I think much more um, people, women and girls, want to get into the sport because they're seeing it. So yeah. go down to your local rugby club and, and uh, yeah, go and watch your, your local women's team. Yeah, I think it's awesome for parents to kind of think about it as an option as well for their children to kind of expose them to that, you know, uh, earlier this summer I had the opportunity to take we took our son to watch the Diamond Athletics at the at the uh, Queen Elizabeth it was amazing and you know sitting there watching the athletes on the track you know seeing them come out the screen it's amazing and I thought you know he's so lucky to have that opportunity he's only eight years old but you know so many families will go and get a season ticket for as you said men's football and I just see it as you know like when you're looking online maybe for theatre tickets or cinema tickets same thing you know look for something different like go watch the rugby go watch the athletics just take them even if you only go once you never know it can like plant that seed oh my god like there's so many really good um, rug matches where they do one offset I mean it's mainly the men at the moment but they do them at Wembley or they do them at places where you go and the tickets are a little bit cheaper so you'll go there and you go I've never been to Wembley before but wow what an awesome experience you know or go and watch the women's game at Allianz Park and, and, and be entertained or go to Twickenham as well 
So definitely, like, take your kids to various different um, events because actually you don't know what might get them going. It might go, oh, mum, dad, I want to I want to do that sport or yeah. I want to go get, get into that industry. So I always say just expose them to as many things as possible because you don't know what might, might make them tick. Yeah, definitely. And on that, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the Power Hour. So on this show... You know, I have a morning routine. It's been a big game changer for me. And so a lot of the time I want to know what people, I guess what inspires them, you know, how they've, what they've been on their journey, but also what gets them out of bed in the morning and particularly what time. So Maggie, can you tell us what time do you get up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day all about? So I normally get up around 6am. That's my starting time. It depends what else I've got in my day. If it's if it's a busy day, I'll get up before that. So usually quarter to quarter to six or maybe 5.30. But 6am is usually my general get up time. And it normally involves gym first. So I, I, I always hit the gym. Gym's a perfect way to release any frustrations or stress that may be in my mind following the day beforehand. But also just a great way to start the day, you know, like the energy is going. Then when I get back, so I'll try and, ideally that'll be within the hour, but let's just say it's, we've, we've made it a little bit of a shorter gym session. I then go and walk the dog, so I've got two miniature schnauzers, and I always make sure I, I, I have the walk with them because they, again, relax me and, and the nice way just to sort of start the day about, okay, what are you going to do today, Maggie? What are you going to try and achieve? What are the things that you want to tick off to make sure you've had a really positive day? So gym session and dog walk, and then I get the train to get into London if I've got a job. So... I've always got to try and balance all that in the first yeah. couple of hours. Yeah, I love that though, because as you said, you know, you're prioritising it before your day starts. And as you just said, if you've got a busy day, you just get up a bit earlier. Whereas often people will say to me, Adrian, I can't get up early, I've got a busy day. And it's like, as you said, getting, you know, that prioritising yourself, giving yourself that time, you know, you've got your stuff done first, you know, before you're giving to everybody else. So I guess now as well being retired, you know, when you go into the gym in the morning, because you don't have to do that, right? You don't have to do that anymore. Totally. It's not like it's, oh, well, that's your job. You have to go. It's another thing that people say to me, but it's your job, Adrian, you have to do it. <laughs> but you want to do it, right? So like, do you now have a, a plan that you stick to a program? Does that change? Or do you just go and do what you feel? I go and do what I feel. You know, I also, so I, I have to make sure I do some running in there. There's got to be running. There's got to be a bit of cycling. For me, it's all about just making sure I stay fit and I feel good about my body. Um, I also do a bit of CrossFit as well, so I try and mix it up really uh, to keep me excited and, and and keep exercise enjoyable. But there are still times when I rock up at the gym and it might be, let's say, quarter past six a.m. and I'm like, I'm actually not feeling it today. So it's okay for me to turn around and go, I'm just going to go home and, and come back in maybe later on tonight when I'm actually feeling it. Because you know, it's like when you, in any sort of environment, when you turn up and you go, I'm just not going to give my best. So if I'm not going to give my best, I'm not going to waste that hour. I'm going to go home, take the dogs for a walk get into work or whatever I'm doing that day earlier and then come back tonight and attack it with with real positive uh, mindset. Mm. Oh, I love that. So if you're not feeling it, okay, cool. But you came back. I know. I always come back. It's not like, oh, take a week off. You're like, no, no, no. I'll be back. I love that. (laughs) Amazing. And is there anything that you try to avoid in the mornings? Anything that you're like, no, that is not going to set me up for a good day? I just avoid... I call them sappers, and these are just people who um, sort of drain me. Um, I try and avoid them. I was—I heard a really good phrase actually. They're called sappuccinos. So imagine if you're having a cappuccino, you're buzzing, you're loving life, and then you come and you meet that person who just sort of is very negative. They've told you about how bad their day's going, and they just take the energy out of you. So. I try and avoid those kind of people. If you see them come in, you just sort of go. <laughs> Turn the other way. Yeah, just don't even ask about how their day's going. Just, just move Dodge. on. 
aim for positive people in the morning so if you can surround yourself with them they always make they always kick start your day because they've been positive so you feel positive and yes. then it just it makes your day just it, it just it's infectious isn't it because then you're you're positive for other people you're speaking my language and also be that person yeah, you know what I mean because totally. sometimes people don't maybe realise that they are that I love that Zappuccino <laughs> like that is something people need a t-shirt that says Zappuccino on it because they don't realise that they do it but I it know. is it's like this is bad and the weather's bad and the transport's bad and there's something else is bad and you're like oh come on we like, all do it though as well yeah. we have a tendency of just probably looking at the negative side rather yeah, than going like, this morning I'm not going to lie to you I did find it hard getting into, into London there was lots of protests so I had to find a way around it yeah. but instead of being like negative about it I'm like do you know what I totally understand the cause so I'm so behind it I'm going to f- take the train so, <laughs> so you just think of an alternative and just be positive so when you talk to the next person you're like it's an awesome day today I hope you had a good weekend you know yeah. just be positive because it will have an impact on others love that okay cool and can you give us the listeners of the show this week a challenge for them to try can be anything could be for the whole power hour in the morning or it could just be a short thing that they could get involved okay my one thing would be you know along that that motto that i said about be comfortable being uncomfortable i'd say find one thing in in your day that you know that you're gonna live in stretch that you're gonna that's gonna challenge you it's gonna make you feel a little bit uncomfortable but you know when you finish it or when you do it you're gonna feel great after it so find that one thing either in your day or your week that can definitely stretch you Yes, I love that. This is making me excited, Maggie. You're motivating. I'm pumped from you, yes. and you're like, you've got. I'm like, I'm going to leave this room, and I'm going to be like, yes. What next? I'm going to yes. go and do something that's going to be absolutely positive. Amazing. I'm feeling it too. I want to live in stretch tomorrow. I'm going to find something this week, actually. And please do get involved in this challenge and let us know what your thing is, because often I think if you listen to something like this and you go, yeah, I feel motivated for five minutes or mm. an hour, that's cool. But taking action is where you're really going to get value Definitely. and benefit from from listening to a show like this. I really want yeah people to get value by actually actioning something so let us know what you are going to do this week to live in stretch amazing and before i ask you my closing question can you tell us all where we can find you online okay so you can find me on my internet um so not internet you can find me on the internet my website is uh, Yeah, and um, you can also find, find me on Twitter, so at Maggie Alfonsi, nothing fantastic, just a simple, uh, my name, and that's it. I'm not on Instagram. You're I'm so Instagram. boring. I, I am thought I most... couldn't find you. I was like, where is this? I thought you were going to have some different name. <laughs> I'm the most boring person, honestly. You can't find me anywhere. I try to sort of like keep a keep a lowdown. But um, yeah, my website and generally Twitter is the best place to find me, really. But awesome. generally, like, look out for me and you'll, 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 you'll see me somewhere in the world of uh, media. Amazing. Thank you. So my closing question, which I ask to every single guest on this show, is all about time. I'm a little bit obsessed with this concept and I really really value people giving their time to others so thank you so much Maggie for giving us your time today so my closing question is what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you such a great question so I'd say the most valuable thing time has taught me is one to make sure I make time for the ones that I love unfortunately when we get really busy we, we sort of neglect that a lot so make time for the ones that you love um, make time for yourself and your and your mind you know be mentally fit if, if that means take the dogs for a walk or if that means just watch some TV which allows you just to switch off a little bit but make time for your mental well-being and I guess probably the third thing that has taught me is to um, 
I don't know, like value time. You know, live in the present. Don't live in in the past because there's many times when I've gone, oh, I wish I'd done that better. Or I wish I'd actually said that instead of saying this. And I'm living in the past. I mean, it's gone now. It's forgotten. People have forgotten about it. So live in the present. Really enjoy being in the present. And then that will allow you to think about what you need to do next time in terms of the future. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say value the time that you have. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you are getting involved with all of the wonderful guests that we've had on this month for Black History Month. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.